my name is Isaac. Today's Bible passage is from James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Well, it's great to be here and to be looking out at a bunch of faces today. I've been staring out at an empty church over these last few weeks while we've been doing the recording, but it is great that we can uh, continue to have people meet with us online. Uh, I do hope you've got a Bible close there, that you've got it open to uh, James chapter 3. It's those 12 verses that we're going to look at, and it would be great if you had a Bible there to do that. But I'm going to pray for us before we do. Father, we want to thank you that you have given us your word, that it speaks to us about what you're like, what we're like, and how we need to change to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus. Uh, we want to pray now that you would help us as we look at this passage from James, that we might go away from here with a renewed desire to be faithful followers of your son. And we pray those things in his name. Amen. Um, in cattle, there is a disease called foot and mouth disease. Uh, the disease is very serious, and when it's detected, it needs to be dealt with very, very quickly. An outbreak can be devastating for the cattle industry. In humans, there's a, a, a problem with a very similar name. It's called foot-in-mouth disease. Uh, now, the problem with foot-in-mouth disease is very different to the one in cattle. Uh, most people will suffer from it at some time during their lives. Some will have it more seriously than others. Uh, some seem to have it most of their life, and some pretend that there's nothing wrong with having it. If a Christian suffers from this problem, then James says they certainly need to do something about it. They should recognise that it is a problem, and they shouldn't let it get out of hand. 
The symptoms of foot in mouth disease are, are varied, but generally speaking, it's when your mouth or your tongue is used in an inappropriate way, in a way that's not helpful to others. And it's serious. If you've got your Bible there, flip back to James chapter 1 and look at what James gave as a definition of true religion. He says this in verse 26 of chapter 1. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. He says that if you can't keep a tight rein on your tongue, then your religion is worthless. And even before that, jump back to verse 19 of chapter 1. James says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James has already said some pretty important things about the tongue. And this first half of chapter 3, the whole of these 12 verses is all to do with how you use your tongue. The section uh, starts there in, in verse number one at the beginning of the chapter, and he says this. And it seems like a bit of a strange place to start. Verse one, chapter three. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I suppose the connection's probably not too hard to see, is it? I mean, if the main tool of a builder is a hammer and if the main tool of a barber is a pair of scissors, then the main tool of a teacher will be their mouth, what they have to say. The type of teaching that James has in mind here is Bible teaching, teaching God's word. I don't think he's talking about swimming teachers or violin teachers receiving a tougher judgment, though possibly violin teachers should receive a tougher punishment. Um, what we're talking about here is people who are teaching from the Bible and they need to take great care of their tongue. Those who are involved in teaching God's word, and it might be scripture teaching, it might be a home group leader, uh, it might be a Sunday school teacher, it might be a Bible college lecturer or a preacher standing up in a church. They need to do this very carefully. And it's not only teachers who need to be careful about what they say, because look at what he says in verse number two. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, there's something comforting in knowing that not everyone is going to be able to keep their tongue in check. Everyone faces this ongoing challenge with their tongue. But it doesn't detract from the fact that mistakes with the tongue are among the most serious mistakes that you can make in your life. I think if we all had our lives to live over again, there would be things that we have done that we wouldn't do again. But I guarantee that there'd be more things that we have said that we wouldn't say again. The tongue is a powerful thing. And to stress how significant the tongue is, James uses two pretty simple illustrations and illustrations that we can relate to. He talks about horses and boats. Those who've ridden a horse know that they're a very large lump of meat. They bite you at one end, they kick you at the other, and they're uncomfortable in the middle. But the amazing thing is, with just one tiny piece of metal 
in the horse's mouth, you can actually control where the horse is going to go. This, this piece of metal that's no wider than this can actually control the whole direction of the horse. Now, I want to go on record here and say that's not always been my experience when I've, in the very, very few times that I've actually ridden a horse, the bit didn't seem to make a whole lot of difference to where the horse was going. But I have it on good authority from those that do ride horses that it does work. And the point that he makes about boats is one that I can understand a little bit better. That a boat is, is run, is directed by a very, very small udder, uh, by a very, very small rudder. Uh, that's the Queen Mary that you've got there in that picture. It weighs 150,000 tonnes. It's a huge ship. And the rudder for that ship weighs 141 tonnes. That's 0.1% of the entire weight of the boat. And yet that tiny rudder can direct that massive boat. And that's exactly the point that James wants to make. The tongue, even though it's a very small part of your body, is a very powerful thing. Our mouths can have a huge impact on our present and on our future. I mean, you only have to think about politicians, don't you? One little slip of the tongue, one instance where they say the wrong thing, and it can cost them their whole career. Now, we know that our tongue can be like a rudder, that it can be like the bit in the horse's mouth. It can actually set the direction of our life. Those things that come out of our mouth, those words can actually change a lot. James uses a third illustration uh, to show how powerful the tongue can be, uh, something that Australians probably know a little bit more than most people. He talks about bushfires. Every year in Australia we have fires somewhere in the country and the extraordinary thing is that it can just be something very simple like a cigarette butt that's been flicked out a window or a tiny spark that ends up consuming hundreds of square kilometres of bush. And the tongue, James says, can do the same thing. The tongue is a tiny thing, but it can be responsible for massive destruction. One kind of bushfire that you can see, one kind of little spark that we can see from time to time is the gossip bushfire. It can start in a very, very simple way. It's normally a sentence that's something like this. I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard that. Or did you hear about what happened to so-and-so and his wife? Someone told me that, and the sentence goes on. Sometimes gossip can be relatively innocent. My mother got a letter from a friend a few years ago uh, saying that they were very sorry to hear about my father's death and apologised for not being able to make it to the funeral. Um, my mum read the letter to my dad, who was also very surprised to find out about his death, and then thought that it was rather rude that he hadn't been too invited to his own funeral. That kind of gossip, I suppose, is reasonably harmless. But there's also gossip that is dreadfully harmful. Businesses can be destroyed. Churches can be decimated by it. And it's all because of rumours and gossip. Gossip can start out innocently enough, but before you know it, it's spread. 
and the damage is done and the damage can't be undone. You may not have started the story. It might be something that you heard from someone else, but passing it on means that you've helped to fan the flame. You've helped to make it burn. I think most people would want to say that they hate gossip, but it's amazing how quickly we get involved in it, isn't it? It'll happen at work, it'll happen at home, and it even happens in churches. It can happen when you're talking to your neighbour over the fence. But I think the most compelling argument that James makes in this letter is the one that you find in verses 9 and 10. This is what he says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And he's right. This should not be. We can stand here on Sunday morning, well, when we're allowed to sing, we can sing hymns like Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. But then come Monday, we're on the phone, criticising someone behind their back, saying something about someone that we'd never say to their face, saying hurtful things, passing on the gossip or the snide remark. And James says, this should not happen. It's amazing how many times the topic of speech comes up in the pages of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, in a couple of places in the New Testament, gives us a list of bad behaviour, and he often mentions the tongue in what he says. This is what he says in Romans chapter 1. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity, They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips and slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Murder and idolatry mentioned in the same breath as gossip and slander. Then in 1 Corinthians, he says this, But I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. There it is again. Slander mentioned in the same sentence as sexual immorality and drunkenness. Back to James chapter 3. He uses one more illustration And I've got a funny feeling he might have borrowed this one from Jesus. James chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What sort of fruit should come from the mouth of of those who know and love God. What sort of fruit should come from the mouth of those who profess to trust in Jesus? What will the speech be like of those who sing God's praise? Will it be malicious language, bitter words, slander, gossip, unloving speech? 
James is saying that none of these things should come from the mouth of those who love Jesus and want to live their life trusting him. Jesus himself made a pretty powerful statement about how it is we should use our tongue. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says this, but I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. That's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? It's very tempting when you look at a passage like this to start thinking about the people that you know who don't handle their tongue particularly well. Can I say, don't do that. James is holding up the mirror for you and I to look into, not to measure other people. This is a chance for us to look in the mirror and think about how it is that we use our tongue. James wants you to think about how you use your tongue, not how other people in this building or online use their tongue. What will you be doing with your tongue in the coming week? You'd like to think that people at church were different. You'd like to think that churches set a great example at this level. We lived up on the north coast for quite some time and uh, I remember hearing about a church up there where they had a women's craft group and there were a few of the women from the church who used to run the group but there was a, a large number of women from the community who came along to this group and, and I knew someone who was part of the church there and she overheard a conversation when she was down there when, when the craft group was on and one of the ladies from the community said how great it was to come to this group because they don't sit around and talk about all the gossip in town the whole time that they're meeting. It was a great thing that here's this church that's, that's setting a good example, that it's not the place for local gossip. It's not the place to be able to talk about others who aren't there. And here was someone from outside of that church who noticed the difference that these followers of Jesus have made in their lives. It's not always easy, though, is it? I mean, what happens when you get back to work? What happens when the groups that you're a part of start meeting together again? And I'm talking about the ones outside of the church. What happens when you get together with your non-Christian family? What happens when you get together with your non-church friends? See, that's when it's very easy to let your guard down. That's when it's becomes easier to be involved in unhealthy conversations. That's when your tongue can be a little bit harder to control. Before you speak this week, make sure that you think carefully about what it is that you're going to say. Make sure that there's some consistency in your life, that the tongue that you use to praise God here in this building is the same tongue that glorifies God in the way that you speak outside of this building. Will you pray with me? Our Father, it is a big challenge that James gives us here in this passage. We know that we want to use our tongues in a way that is honouring and glorifying to you. We know that we want to speak in a way that you will be honoured, that we will speak in a way that people will notice is different that we don't involve ourselves in those unhelpful conversations, 
We don't join in the gossip. We don't join in the speech where we're tearing other people down. Father, help us to be the people who point others to Jesus in the way that we live and in the way that we use our tongue. We pray that all that we do this, this week might be done and said for your glory and honour. And we pray all of these things in the name of your Son and our Saviour, Jesus. Amen.